Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Welcome to Just the Truth. Today was a really embarrassing day for America. A lot of the reaction from the right has been to point out the obvious inconsistencies between the media's treatment of Biden compared to Donald Trump and their right. Biden called Kamala Harris president yesterday, and not just for the first time. We have sufficient proof beyond any reasonable standard that this man is in cognitive decline. It's really embarrassing and frankly inhumane for us to continue to prop up Biden as if he's actually running the country. My question is where in the world is Jill Biden? Who would let this happen to their spouse? Why is she letting this happen? Anyone in the press room at the White House should be asking this question repeatedly and consistently to Jen Psaki. We need the truth. It's a total farce. We all know it. President Trump knew it, and we knew it during the 2020 campaign. Biden didn't even campaign, but he didn't have to. The media covered for him, but they can't cover for him now. This should shock the conscience of any rational person in the United States. But there's something even more sinister going on. Obviously, Joe Biden isn't running the country, so who is? Things are still getting done, and the American people deserve to know who is actually making the day-to-day -day decisions in the White House. Susan Rice? Kamala Harris? Someone else? We deserve to know. If we, in theory, elected Joe Biden, we deserve transparency and honesty, which we'll never get from the Democrats. I don't think our foreign enemies are laughing at Biden as much as they're simply dealing with the other members of the administration who are actually running the country. They know Biden is, isn't in power, so that means they're actually laughing at you, the American people. They're laughing at the absolute lie of, that's being forced on the freest people on the face of the earth. It's more than just a joke. It's mocking our liberty to be a genuinely citizen-led country, to select and prefer our leaders. So what should happen now? Obviously, the election integrity question comes into play, and I hope you listen to my hour-long discussion on my Just the Truth podcast about that important issue. Find that wherever you stream your podcasts. We have to keep talking about that and about the truth. Because the truth is this. We in the United States of America have a citizen-led government. We get to select our leaders through free and fair elections. Not only did this country not genuinely elect Joe Biden, but even for those who did vote for him, were sold a fiction. Anyone who voted for Joe Biden to lead this country is now facing the reality that non-elected bureaucrats in Washington, influenced by foreign countries, are running this country. That is unacceptable. So what do we do constitutionally? The only method for removing a president and the administration is through the impe impeachment process. We have the presidential succession outlined in the 25th Amendment. If our government was functioning properly, we wouldn't have even gotten to this point because the state legislatures would have done their constitutionally required job to protect against corrupted presidential elections. And make no mistake, the primary reason President Trump is not in office right now is because the legislatures in six states had absolutely no idea their constitutional role and authority. 
When I explained that to them directly, they were too weak and politically motivated to actually discharge their duty properly for the American people. Don't forget, these were Republicans. If our government was functioning properly, the House would use its power of impeachment properly. Our system isn't broken, but our government is. This is why it's going to be important moving forward to do two things. Ensure that the Republican-led legislatures of those six states protect election integrity and we get out and vote. Turning now to tonight's deep dive, we're discussing parental rights and school choice in the context of the Constitution because families have been basically forced to try homeschooling over the last year. The left is now attacking homeschooling, and we need to talk about the truth of parental rights. Some of you may not know that I was actually homeschooled K through 12, and I loved my experience. So I'm really grateful to my parents for providing that solid grounding for me. And I'm also thankful that they had their right to direct my education and that that's legally protected in America constitutionally. It should continue to be. The Homeschool Legal Defense Association, or HSLDA, is the primary adv advocacy group fighting for the right of parents to homeschool in the United States and also globally. So here to discuss is my good friend Mike Donnelly, Senior Counsel for HSLDA. So Mike, welcome back to Just the Truth. It's great to be back with you again, Jenna. And in the little time we have left in this segment, tell me about HSLDA and the work that you're doing. Jenna, HSLDA, as you know, and I'm glad to tell your listeners, is the world's largest homeschool advocacy organization. We like to think that we help make homeschooling possible for people who want to do it. We advocate passionately for the freedom for parents to be able to choose homeschooling and to support them as they go on that journey. So we have a large staff of people who, lawyers and, and uh, homeschool moms and dads who support our members, over 100,000 homeschooling families have joined HSLDA to support the movement. And it's really a privilege for me to, to serve those families who I think are doing just, well, a great job, honestly. Yeah, and you're a homeschooling father. Well, well. my wife and I, Patty, uh, we have seven children. We've homeschooled them all the way. And it's been a real privilege. They're uh, from 10 to 24, and we're still in the middle of it. And I uh, hope they all turn out as, as well as you have. Well, that's Your very must, kind. And I know they're very proud of you. <laughs> yeah, well, it has been a great experience, um, you know, for me and my family and, you know, my little brother who is now at Liberty University. Um, you know, he was homeschooled all the way through my older brother. And I'm really excited to talk with you throughout this program about homeschooling, uh, why this matters, and the context of parental rights. So uh, stay with us for more of Just the Truth, where I'm going to be talking with Mike Donnelly about parental rights and also the context of the Constitution, why this matters, and how how our system of government in America is designed specifically to make sure that parental rights are protected and that if you are a parent who's considering continuing to homeschool, you have to be protected in that right of your choice. We'll be right back on more of Just the Truth. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crow portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. 
Welcome back to Just the Truth, and we're talking about parental rights and homeschooling. A lot of you, uh, almost everyone actually in America was kind of forced to at least try out homeschooling in the midst of the pandemic. And so I thought a longer conversation is definitely warranted. And who better to do that than Mike Donnelly, who's my good friend, and you're the senior counsel for HSLDA, the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. I'm so glad that you can come back. Um, people loved all of your conversation with me uh, the last time you were on the show. And I want to start kind of big picture because uh, when we talk about homeschooling, we talk about school choice, a lot of people immediately go to like, oh, the Department of Education or, you know, some of these other things. But in terms of what is constitutionally protected, explain parental rights and the Constitution. Well, you won't see the word parental rights in the Constitution uh, because the founders realized that there is this whole body of rights, which they recognize with the Tenth Amendment, that are reserved to the states and to the people. And the Supreme Court over the years has recognized that also in a variety of cases, going all the way back to an education case, actually. And in the homeschool movement, we point to this case a lot uh, for recognizing the right of parents to homeschool and to make choices about their children's education. So that case was Pierce v. Society of Sisters. And Oregon decided it was going to outlaw all forms of private education back in the, you know, 1920 time frame. And it was actually a referendum, and so the voters actually approved this. And that's an interesting question about federalism and the interaction between the states and the federal constitution. But that case went up to the Supreme Court of the United States, it's a very famous case, and in that case, the court said famously, the child is not the mere creature of the state. Mm -hmm. And recognizing that parents have a right to direct the education and upbringing of their children. And, and so from that case going forward, there are a lot of cases where the court has dealt with parental rights issues because there are areas where the state has encroached. The state governments, but also the federal government, too, has encroached. And I think a lot of people would say, yeah, I see that. Like <laughs> yeah. in schools, try yeah. to get, you know, in doctor's offices, you know, the, the Congress has passed rules about privacy. And mm -hmm. sometimes parents have issues trying to get doctors to give medical records. It shouldn't and, be. And like the executive orders and stuff that are trying to direct the education curriculum uh, in schools, some of those things as well. And so, you know, when you're talking about this concept of, uh, of parental rights and pr there's a presumption there that parents are fit to direct the welfare and upbringing. And I'm, I'm going to circle back to that yeah. word because that's important. But um, why is that presumption so important? Well, again, we presume because, first of all, let's look. The, the family is the cornerstone of society. Mother, father, children. Okay? Not everybody, well, we seem to be debating that these days. But I think most Ridiculous. people would realize that that's how the family is designed to be. It's the cornerstone. And children, you know, deserve to have a mom and a dad to raise them and, and mom and dads need to and deserve to have their right to do that respected as long as they don't you know violate the you know their duty to care for their children and so there is a place for government to step in when that happens and unfortunately it does happen so uh, but still we presume that parents are fit mm -hmm. and they're making decisions that are in the best best interests of their children and we don't presume that government knows best. We presume that parents know best and, and make those decisions. And the Supreme Court recognized that in the 1978 decision called Parham v. J.R., where it just said, look, we recognize that this is one of the fundamental building blocks of our federal republic, that we presume fit parents make interests, make decisions that are best for their kids, and we're going to recognize that. 
And, uh, and so, so that's why it's really important. Yeah, and our presumption uh, as a society, I mean, that goes back to the Founding Fathers and their recognition of truth that rights right. come from God, our Creator, not our government. So it's not government that's saying, okay, I'm going to trust children to these parents, right? That's Children are God-given. And so when, when you look at the design of the Constitution and the fundamental philosophy that it was built on, this presumption is so important because that's the original design. We know from scripture that uh, the family as an institution is God created. And so there's a legitimate role for parents there. And it's the government's role to protect and preserve that unless there is egregious overreach. And it seems like the leftists and the liberals want to have that inverted and to say there's now some sort of presumption that homeschooling, if a parent makes that choice, it's not valid because that's not in their definition of best interest. Why is that so dangerous? Well, I think you're talking about Elizabeth Bartholet, a Harvard law professor who was became famous in the homeschool community and in the conservative community for calling for a presumptive ban on homeschooling because she has these crazy ideas about homeschoolers. She thinks they're just a bunch of Christians who don't want to teach their children anything and or abuse them. Uh, and that's her view of homeschooling, which is completely ridiculous. That's not true. She gives no evidence for that in this law review article that she wrote calling for this presumptive ban. And so, you know, that her call for a presumptive ban on homeschooling is completely in contradiction to this idea of the role of parents being, uh, you know, central in the lives of children and the government respecting parents' decisions on how their children should be educated. So that's, you know, that's kind of the conflict right there. Yeah, yeah and, that, and that then is the tension between what we're seeing from the liberal left and the conservatives, those of us who genuinely want to conserve our fundamental principles of the Constitution of limited government and of saying that parental rights are part of those things that we get to self-govern and, and to decide for ourselves. And the family, of course, is, uh, is central to that, as you just said. And so within this landscape then of, of parental rights, um, why is it so important for Americans to recognize why our constitutional system is better than, say, some of the people that you actually deal with at HSLD globally whose rights aren't as protected in other countries. Well, that's right. I want to circle back because, you know, Jenna, I know this is about the truth and you say this, it's not left or right. There are a lot of people who we would describe as left or progressive liberal who homeschool their children because parents are the ones who must be entrusted, whether you believe in the left or the right or whatever you believe, we have to trust parents to do what's best for their kids. And that's how a good society, democratic society, free society should operate. Absolutely. Okay, but if you look around the rest of the world, you do see governments encroaching in the area, in these areas. And we see it in our own country too. But you look around the rest of the world, and you see that, for example, uh, Scotland just ratified the United Nations Convention on the Rights of the Child as part of their domestic law. Why is that a problem? Well, the problem with the UNCRC, which this country, the United States of America, is the only country in the world that has not ratified. And, and you'd think, but it's the rights of the child. It sounds so good. Well, you it's would. like the Equality well, he, Act sounds you, so good. Yeah, it all sounds great until you start looking and peeling back. And what yes. it does is it actually the gives substance. government a lot more power over these kinds of decisions. It allows the government to intrude into an area where it should not be intruding. Family decision making, absent some evidence of harm. Okay, and so Scotland has decided, well, it's the, and they voted on it in their parliament so they can do that. But they've decided to incorporate this. And the problem with the UNCRC is that in the document itself, it says the best interest of the child would be determined ultimately by government officials. Mm -hmm. So if there is a conflict between parents and children, the UNCRC says, well, we're going to let government decide that without any sort of requirement that this parental fitness be overturned. Whereas in America, we have that presumption of fitness. 
But this document, the UNCRC, ratified by everybody else and now brought into Scotland's domestic law, and other countries have done that as well, overturns that very important premise. Mm. Is there a danger that now under a Biden administration we may move toward ratification in the U.S.? I think there is a danger of that. I mean, you know, in the last administration they wanted to do that. Um, you saw the U.N. Convention on the Rights of Persons with Disabilities, which was submitted for ratification and not. And again, it had the same issue. Everybody, you know, said, well, we got to lead on disability treatment of people. And frankly, America does lead. We lead with our IDEA law for education, our Americans with Disabilities Act for disabilities. You can't go to a better country in the world, I don't think, and find laws that protect the rights of Americans or people with disabilities. So what do we need to have this treaty for? Well, people, statists, I would call them statists, not liberals. There's plenty of non-statist liberals. In fact, if you talk about homeschooling, I'm kind of wandering around here a little bit, but go back to the history of homeschooling and John Holt, was a liberal, he was kind of a leftist progressive guy, and he was one of the early movers in the homeschooling movement back in the 60s. And you reminded me just for this program <laughs> that at the beginning, at the foundation of America, we all homeschooled. Well, yeah, and most of I the mean, founding presidents, most of the founders were educated at home yeah. by their mother so, and father. So this isn't right a on. new idea. It's not something that just, you know, the conservative Christian wonks want to somehow, you know, take their kids and bring them at home and indoctrinate them. I mean, this is something that has gone on for a really long time and well that's before right. the founding of the United States. So this isn't something that's new. Public education is an experiment, really. It wasn't until 1850 in America that we had the first compulsory attendance law, and it took another 75 years after that where all the states had compulsory attendance laws, and then it was only up till eighth grade. It's only been in the last 50, 60 years that we've had this cradle-to-grave idea, and where does that come from? Well, it comes from the big, big ed. We talk about big tech. How about let's talk about big ed, teachers' unions, you know, uh, education bureaucracies in the states and at the federal government, which frankly stifle education. And so this idea of school choice is really important. And when you think about school choice, homeschooling is kind of the ultimate in school choice. Mm -hmm. And we need to protect that. Yeah, absolutely. So, and going back quickly to uh, to the ratification and hopefully not ratification mm -hmm. of uh, the Convention on Rights of the Child, what would that do practically if we ratify a treaty according to the constitutional provision? Well, that's there's a question about that, which is why we're concerned about the possible ratification. Whether, you know, how would states interpret that treaty? Would it be right. interpreted, uh, you know, as state law? Because the Constitution does say that treaties treaties that are ratified become the supreme law of the land. And so that's Article 6 of the U.S. Constitution. And so how would federal courts deal with that? How would state courts deal with that? That's a real problem. We don't need to ratify international treaties to figure out how we want to treat American families. We want to have American lawmakers, our elected representatives in our state capitals, making decisions about laws relating to the family. And frankly, we don't want Congress or the Senate doing that either, because that's one of those rights, those powers that is reserved to the states. And that's one of the big problems we have today is that the federal government is just intruding further and further into that. And it's the Congress, too. And it's not just Democrats. It's Republicans and Democrats. They all seem to like to just take more power. <laughs> yeah, but with this push toward the globalization um, of the United States, but then even the uh, the power cent central in Washington, you know, we do see that on both sides. And it's really unfortunate that Republicans in Washington aren't respecting the rights of parents. And we need to be speaking the truth about that. So we're going to get more with Mike Donnelly when we come back with more of just the truth and we're talking about parental rights in the context of the Constitution and why home education is actually a really good thing. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Continuing our important conversation about parental rights and homeschooling with Mike Donnelly, who's senior counsel to the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. You can find them at hslda.org. So, Mike, we've been talking about the context of homeschooling and uh, protecting the right of parents to direct the education and welfare uh, of children. So explain the history of homeschooling, where we started, and kind of where we're at today. Well, as we talked about before, Jenna, everybody was homeschooling at the beginning of the American <laughs> Republic, but it went out of favor for a while as these compulsory attendance laws were passed and the state started creating these government schools and forcing children to go to them. Indoctrination centers, we'll just uh, call them that. Well, you know, and that's, there, that's actually, there's a lot of truth to that because yeah. the people, especially people like John Dewey and Charles Potter, who were humanists and they saw the schools as places where children could be indoctrinated into their own view of how society should be, which is very different from, I think, you know, how most people would think society should be. But so homeschooling kind of fell out of favor for a while. But then in, 19, in the 1960s, a guy named John Holt, who was a liberal, progressive guy, was a teacher, he wrote a book called How Children Learn. And he said, you know what, kids learn better in a freer environment. Uh, and, and after a while, you know, Christians sort of said, you know, I'm not so sure about the Christians, about the public schools, and they're throwing the Bible out, and they're teaching stuff that we don't agree with. I think we're going to try this out. And what you saw from the early 80s until now is a real a movement. Homeschooling really was a movement, and it still is a movement. You see it spreading around the rest of the world as well. Uh, and, uh, but it wasn't legal. You know, the, the, the old-time homeschoolers still talk about having to hide pretend they were taking their kids to school, pull the shades, because they're afraid of truancy officers coming around and you know, knocking on the door and saying, why aren't your kids in school? So over about 20 years, the homeschooling movement had to fight for recognition. Now, we talked about Pierce v. Society of Sisters recognizing the right of parents to direct the education of their children protected by the federal constitution, but states are the ones that have the power, the authority, the police power to regulate and pass criminal laws. And, and they passed these laws that said, if you don't send your kids to school, that's a crime. And so that's, that's what we had to deal with. So we had to get exceptions either in court or through state legislatures. And so all over the country, homeschooling parents with HSLDA and state organizations came together and we passed laws. And so in 1996, homeschooling was finally legal in all 50 states. Michigan was the holdout. But it's got a great law now. <laughs> that's good. Yeah. And so now you've got millions of children who homeschooled. I mean, you talked about the pandemic before. Yeah, and so homeschooling has now doubled uh, in just the last year because mm -hmm. the pandemic has uh, forced people to at least try out homeschooling and learn, okay, what is this? Well, that's right. And so, you know, about 3 million children in February, according to U.S. Census Bureau numbers back in February of 2020, then everything shut down and the, the, people were saying, yeah, we're all homeschoolers now. But that's not homeschooling. Homeschooling is not hiding in your home. You know that. You, you know what homeschooling, <laughs> we'll talk about that in a minute here. But yes. yeah, the numbers, uh, 6 million children now, approximately, according to the U.S. Census. Really amazing. And you see it growing everywhere because parents are looking for options. 
I mean, they don't want to send their kids to school to be in plexiglass square boxes, wearing masks all day long. I mean, I guess the CDC is now saying, well, you can be three feet apart instead of, yeah, because you know, if you're wearing as, a mask. As the Babylon Bee said, Dr. Fauci is just spinning the wheel of science. There's a really great video on about that. It's hilarious. Um, but yeah, but I, but I also hear from a lot of people that they were forced to try out homeschooling, but once they tried it, they were like, oh, we actually like this. And it's not as difficult as maybe what they've heard. Well, yeah, a lot of people really had no idea what homeschooling was. They never tried. They knew there was maybe somebody in their church or someone down the street. Um, and there were three million kids, but still, that's only about three or four percent of the school age population. But now everybody's had the opportunity. And you know what people like? They actually like having their kids around. Most mm -hmm. people, they have children and they want to spend time with them. But the regular school schedule is challenging if you want to do that. Get them off. And that's exactly right. how uh, my mom decided to homeschool because um, so my older brother was going to a Christian school and she was a stay-at-home mom and um, you know and I was in kindergarten at the time and she she just thought you know well my kids are going off to school for eight hours a day I want to spend more time with them so she decided to homeschool on that basis right and you know moms they wonder can I do it mm -hmm. you know that's one of the big things that moms ask themselves you know oh I don't know if I can do this am I going to break my children and what people need to understand is that children are natural learners and what really happens in schools and look I'm not throwing teachers under the bus here there's a lot of good teachers a lot of good principals they try to do the best they can but look schools an institution it's an institutional environment and it's difficult and a lot of people are very critical of schools and they say things like well you know school actually stifles learning mm -hmm. and the way we do school with grades and the homework and, and just the whole thing it's it's really not well, very good, honestly. It yeah, and, I mean, talk about well. not being able to uh, to create an environment that's constructive to an individual learning style of a child or their individual interests. I mean, one of the things that uh, was so great about my homeschool experience was that you know we had a curriculum that for the core subjects, but then I knew I wanted to be a lawyer from the age of fourteen. Well, why? Because I was able to actually go and have other experiences outside of class. Um, I was at fifteen years old, was going down to the Colorado Lieutenant governor's office as an intern because I had two days a week I could finish my studies and then go and actually experience participation in the real world and you talk about you know one of the objections is well, what about socialization mm -hmm. well I wasn't just around all of my peers and trying to learn from all of the other students I was around other adults who then could mentor me and I learned how to be a young professional at a very young age so I think that th some of those things are also really significant highlights um, from parents and what are you hearing as well Every family can have that experience if they want it. And what you just did was a commercial for homeschooling, <laughs> Jenna. And, and no, not every homeschooled child is probably going to go you know, and become a senior legal advisor to the President of the United States at age 30, whatever you were when, when that happened. Um, but homeschooling allows families to create a personalized learning environment and experience for each child because every child is unique. That's something we believe very strongly about at HSLDAs. Every child is unique and deserves that personal experience. And that's why we are there to help protect that right mm -hmm. and to support them on that journey. We have a staff of attorneys and learning consultants who help our members. People can join HSLDA to support the work we're doing to keep that right free and to help them get started homeschooling. But that's what is so great about homeschooling. It's, you know, every child's different, every family's different. And, you know, some children learn one way, some children learn another way. Uh, some children have special needs, and those kids don't do great in schools because some kids aren't so nice. And there are lots of uh, families who are finding uh, freedom in homeschooling, freedom for their children to learn at their pace. Mm 
-hmm. Some are slower, some are faster. Why should children learn at the pace of everybody else? They shouldn't have to. Absolutely. Homeschooling allows children to learn at their own pace in an environment that you know is safe, with parents there to watch out what's happening, to guide them. Not that we're like helicopter parents all the time, mm -hmm. uh, but we're going to guide our children. And, and talking about, you know, the welfare and upbringing of children, who better to guide children than their own parents? And, you know, for, for the leftists who are pushing back on this, I mean, it's so ironic to me because they're the ones who are spouting all of this ideology about, you know, individualism and find my true self, and yet they're sending their kids to go and be in an environment where there's peer pressure, there's this conformity standard. There's, you know, the federal mandates to say you have to teach um, sex education a certain way. You know, some of these other things that are, that, you know, we can talk about free exercise of religion, some of those mm -hmm. things. Um, but I remember when I was maybe, you know, 16, 17, something like that, at um, the, the Czech conference in Colorado, which is the Christian Home Educators of Colorado. Um, that's, you know, that's obviously where I'm from. And I was on a radio interview. And um, yes, I was doing radio at 16, but, um, but uh, they, they, asked me, they asked me on that interview, well, you know, don't you think that you're kind of missing out on some stuff like cheerleading, like, you know, some other stuff? And I just responded right back and I said, yeah, I'm missing out on a lot of things like peer pressure, like being offered drugs in school, like, you know, having the pressure of um, premarital sex, like, you know, all this other stuff. I'm like, I'm missing out on a lot. And isn't that a good thing? I bet my mom's very happy about that. Yeah, well, you know, people homeschool for a lot of different reasons, and those are some really good ones mm -hmm. right there. Um, and, you know, uh, you know, religious reasons, philosophical reasons, children have special learning needs. Uh, but, you know, what parent doesn't want to help guide their child to find their place, right? And, you know, schools do what they can, but homeschooling is an option that everyone has in, in America. And, I, you know, maybe there's people listening right now who are thinking, maybe I want to homeschool. Um, I want to tell that person, you can do it. And you know what? We have a website called youcanhomeschool.com. <laughs> youcanhomeschool.com. Check That's it out. Uh, you know, what parent is not going to figure it out? You know, yeah. you love your children more than anyone else, and you're going to figure it out. And you know what? We're there to support you. You've got parents in your community who could support you. I'm sure you're, you were part of a co-op. Mm -hmm. We call them co-ops, cooperative learning groups where parents get together and people think, I can't teach physics, I can't teach chemistry. That's okay. Mm -hmm. There are other parents who can do that. You can get together. You can have a physics class. You can dissect the, you know, the frog in your kitchen or mm -hmm. at the church or whatever. <laughs> we did all that stuff. I'm sure oh, you did too. Oh, yeah. My, my brother, my older brother said, Mom, I really don't think I need to perform a triple bypass on a frog today. <laughs> he was super squeamish. But, you know, but yeah, we, you know, we did, we did all of the things and, uh, and it was so fun. And, you know, now my brother is the proud father of three boys and they're homeschooling. My twin nephews wow. are two. And um, then we have little baby Ben. And, um, you know, my, my sister-in-law is so excited about homeschooling because they can do all of the things with their kids and see the growth and the learning. And it's so much fun. It really is. It's so much fun. It's a blessing. You know, yeah. children are a blessing, you know, yes. I mean, from God in, in a family. And, you know, why? You don't have to send them off somewhere else. You can do it. It's not that hard. There's curriculum out there that you can mm -hmm. buy. And a lot of it's free. Uh, you know, if, even if you're a single parent, you can homeschool. Working parents can homeschool. It's flexible. It doesn't take that much time. That's true, too. It definitely doesn't take the eight hours a day because mm -hmm. the teacher doesn't have to be worried about, you know, 30 kids in class. You can do your curriculum in, you know, just a couple hours a day, mm -hmm. and then you can actually go and participate in other things right. and be a family. You know, so and you started a, a blog also for homeschool moms and some things. Or um, what is what was that called? 
Uh, yououcanhomeschool.com? Yes, yes. The, the moms, like the... The mom blog, mom possible. Yeah. Yes, mom possible. Yeah, mom possible. Yes, oh, mom possible. possible is a great site. Yes. Uh, you know, it's funny. We we used that during the pandemic to reach out to the to the moms and dads we knew who were struggling with the kids at home. Like, we're not used to this. We haven't had our kids around. We don't know how to do this. And so we provide a lot of resources. They can get that at, at youcanhomeschool.com. And it'll lead them to the Mom Possible site, but also at hslda.org. We've got so many webinars. Mm-hmm. hslda.org/webinars. Great. We've got a dozen, maybe 20, 30. There's so much, so yeah. many resources out there. If people want to homeschool, it's it's not it's hard really to figure easy. it out. Yeah, and we're going to come right back with Mike Donnelly and talk more about homeschooling in the context of the Constitution. Aren't you excited? If you're watching this and you haven't had an opportunity to try homeschooling, there are so many resources. Instagram is full of things. But we'll be right back to talk more on Just the Truth. The Angie's List you know and trust is now Angie, and we're so much more than just a list. We still connect you with top local pros and show you ratings and reviews, but now we also let you compare upfront prices on hundreds of projects and book a service instantly. We can even handle the rest of your project from start to finish. So remember, Angie's List is now Angie, and we're here to get your job done right. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I, or download the app today. Welcome back to Just the Truth. And we are having such a great conversation about homeschooling with Mike Donnelly, who is the senior counsel to the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. And um, I I had so much fun in homeschool. I mean, this is one of the reasons why I'm loving this conversation is because, you know, my mom always said, we're just having one happy little day after the next. And that that was my childhood. I mean, growing up and of course, you know, you face the regular things that families do and everything. But uh, but for us as a family, um, we had such a great time going through the uh, the different you know levels of schooling and one of the things that my mom did that I really highly recommend everybody um, for history one of the reasons that I love the history of the United States and understanding the worldview that we always talk about here on the program mm-hmm. is that my mom went chronologically mm-hmm. through world history from creation all the way through major civilizations and so by the time I learned in high school about the US Constitution mm-hmm. I already had this context of what the founders mm-hmm. would have understood why that was important and that set me up really well to go to law school and so I hear a lot of times Mike and you probably do too um, some objections or concerns from parents who say, well, what about college? How can I best prepare my kids in homeschooling? Mm. Well, there are some concerns that people have, and that's one of the reasons that HSL Day continues to exist, because we help parents who encounter issues with homeschooling, related to homeschooling. Uh, But one of the things moms do ask is, well, what about college? You know, am I going to hinder my child's opportunities if if we homeschool? And the fact of the matter is no. The truth Mm. is absolutely not. Harvard, there are homeschoolers at Harvard. There's homeschoolers everywhere. Used to be we had some difficulties because early on there weren't a lot of homeschoolers and they'd get this diploma signed by Mrs. Ellis mm-hmm. and they're like, Jenna Ellis' name is on there and they're like, wait a minute, <laughs> the mom is signing the diploma right. and the transcript was being issued by the mom. Wait a minute, they're all A's on this diploma. What, what's, you know, Homeschool students are brilliant, what can I say? I mean, well, but, it's true, but know, look, but look yeah. if your kids are not getting <laughs> A's, that right. means they're not learning them. I mean, give them an A if they learn the material, right? right. I mean, what? yeah. So, right. so, so anyway, yeah, it took a while for the schools to kind of realize, wow, you know what? These homeschoolers, they know how to learn. Mm-hmm. Because look, when you go to college, it's kind of like you, you're on your own, right? right? That's why they have a lot of remediation classes these days, because... Kids who go to the schools, mm-hmm. private and public schools in a lot of respects, are just used to having someone tell them what to do. That's not college. 
Right, and they're right. also used to, um, in schools, that learning isn't fun. It's a chore, it's I have to go to school. Where right. in homeschooling, mm -hmm. learning is actually a, a really exciting thing. I mean, I remember getting our new books um, every year and it was like Christmas. You know, literally <laughs> we would open up the box and be like, look at this stuff. And, you know, and looking at the math book, which, you know, as an attorney, I went to law school because I hate math. <laughs> but, um, but I would look at my book and say, okay, yeah, I can see this stuff in the beginning. And then I'd turn to the back and be like, I'm going to know that by the end. This is so cool. cool. And so that type of learning mm -hmm. is really in that kind of creative environment and the positivity mm -hmm. that moms can give to their kids. And so, I want to pull up, uh, John, if we can get this up, of my, of my nephews. Oh, look at that. So this is uh, Davey and Jakey, <laughs> and they are learning uh, STEM because my brother's an electrical engineer. He's Science, technology, engineering, and math, STEM. See, there you go. Um, and he's literally a rocket scientist. So, um, <laughs> so now the two boys are, are learning uh, this, and we have Davey and Jakey who are there, you know, and they're, they're two years old, and they're, <laughs> they're learning at home, and it's fun. And so, yeah. you know, so he's putting all of these creative elements in as a dad is involved cool is in his kids' education. So this isn't just about moms, it's about the whole family, right? It really is, and, and, and you can, that can, like you said, one happy day after another. Yes. Now, you know, we have challenges, we all of do, course. but you can have that in homeschooling, it doesn't ever have to end, and then your children can go off to college and continue the process, and they go to college. Colleges like homeschoolers, most of them, mm -hmm. uh, because they know how to learn, they do well. Uh, so that's really not that's really not an issue. Um, right. Other concerns moms have, we've talked about this a little bit before, is they really wonder, can I do this? And they may wonder, well, what it, what would it be like being with my kids all day long? I think <laughs> you've shown a little bit of example of how that can be fun, yeah. but it's, it may be a little bit different. You may have to get used to it. Your kids may have to get used to it as well, but it can be fun. It can be enjoyable, and it doesn't have to look like school. In fact, it shouldn't look like school right okay right. we Why want it to be fun you know this kind of like super rigid environment and trying right. to replicate it at home we shouldn't yeah we shouldn't and we we should not do that and i that's what i always tell homeschoolers is homeschooling is not school at home right yes. you got to break the mold you got to do things differently you got to be creative you can go out and have field trips anytime you want go when the museum is not crowded like during the week during the day mm -hmm. you know homeschoolers you can time your vacations to be off spring break you have a lot of flexibility as a family when you're homeschooling to do things that you can't do when you orient your life mm -hmm. around an institutional school. So let me give you a great example of that. When <laughs> I was homeschooled with my uh, co-op, when uh, then President Bush was running for re-election in 92, so I would have been eight, uh, our homeschool group went, and this was you know back in the day before all of the, you know before 9-11 when things were a little mm -hmm. bit more open, Air Force One landed at the old Stapleton Air, uh, Airport in Denver, and we were able to be there on the front like receiving line with a bunch of people. I got to shake the hand of the president, and it was such an amazing opportunity. We then in our uh, homeschool co-op, we then ran quote-unquote presidential elections, and we divided into two campaigns and had candidates, did speeches, and we replicated that environment, which was so much fun because then when we actually watched election night, as students, we had participated in a mock process among our friends that was so fun, and we had actually had the opportunity to meet a president of the United States because we didn't have to be pulled out of school to go do that. That's the flexibility that homeschooling offers every single family. And, uh, you know, what I would tell the moms who may be watching who are thinking about homeschooling, you can do it. We can help. There are people around you who will be very happy to help you, people like Jenna's mom. Yes. Uh, just, you just have to find Jenna's mom for you. Yes. And she'll be glad to help you. There, you know, she homeschooling community homeschool is moms. a very open, welcoming community. It doesn't matter what your ethnicity is or any of that. You know, or when you're starting. You or know? when you're starting. You can start anytime. 
Mm-hmm. I mean, look, when, when children are born, they're, they're being homeschooled. Right. So homeschooling is kind of like the That's norm. True. Yeah. And then you send them off to another environment, which doesn't, you know, whatever. You know, we have the ability as parents. We have the right to do it. It's protected. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have the capacity to do it because we love our kids. And so mm-hmm. do it. So, so for the mom and the dad who are at home right now going, yes, we want to continue doing this. Uh, how do they join HSLDA yep. and what uh, services and resources do you provide? Well, what I would say is go to youcanhomeschool.com. There's a seven-step guide there that tells you what do you need to do if you're thinking about homeschooling. Step one is connect with somebody who you know who's homeschooling, and we can help you do that at hslda.org. We have a list of groups in many, many areas that you really want to get plugged in because it's a new thing. It's a new concept, and it really helps to talk to experienced parents who've Mm -hmm. been there, who've done that. They can help guide you and and get you over some of those questions that we're talking about here with more detail. Second thing you do is join HSLDA to support what we're doing. We want to keep that freedom there for you and for your children and for your grandchildren. So join HSLDA to help us do that, right? And we also have uh, educational consultants that they can call and get exper- you know, experienced advice from. We have webinars. We have all kinds of resources people can have. So they should join mm-hmm. HSLDA. So, absolutely. Yeah. So at hslda.org. <laughs> yeah. and, um, and also your attorneys, if there ever is a legal question, uh-huh. yeah. that's a huge service and that protection mechanism that you provide. You know, I talked before about the knock on the door. Mm-hmm. Uh, because, you know, homeschooling wasn't legal. It's now legal, but those knocks are still coming. They mm-hmm. still come because people wonder, well, where are the kids at school? Or are there issues? Are there paperwork issues? Or, or there may be other issues related to disputes between doctors and parents about, well, is, should my child be vaccinated or not? Uh, you, know, um, right. you, know, it, you know, is there a question that, you know, somebody is not doing the right thing for their kid or whatever? There, uh, Constantly new con- questions. There's always con- there's questions. And so HSLDA provides a service for our members if they are ever challenged over these kinds of issues, they have access to an attorney. Like 24, Mike. actually me and my colleagues, there's yes. ten, about 10 of us, 24 7, 365. Where Fantastic. can you get that? You can only, for $10 a only, month. Only, only at hslda.org. So we're going to be right back when Mike is going to join me in the public square. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? or the friends you find along the way. Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more, but you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome back to Just the Truth, and now we're going to the public square. This is your opportunity to send in questions that you have about the topics that we're discussing daily. So joining me tonight in the public square is Mike Donnelly, who is answering your questions about homeschooling. So uh, we've had a lot of viewer questions. A lot of people are really um, you know, excited about homeschooling, and they're asking some things. Um, the first one, I think, is uh, you know, we've answered some of them through the conversation, but um, what are some of the imperatives for conservative, conservative policymakers um, and how they need to focus on protecting the freedom of families? Well, with 50 state legislators and 500 of them, you know, just down the street here, always looking at ways to intrude on our freedom, we got to make sure we watch out for our freedom. That's one thing that we do at HSLDA is we have a service where we look at thousands and thousands of bills all over the country to make sure that none of those are going to infringe on 
the freedoms that we have to homeschool and also our parental rights. We, we watch out for 24 different issues across a whole host of areas. So, so that's one of the things that we do. And look, we always, you have to be vigilant. Freedom is something that has to be defended. Um, you've got to watch your policymakers because sometimes they have good ideas. Sometimes they think they have good ideas and they're not good ideas. And so that's why organizations like HSLDA and there are many others like us who do that. Um, watch out. And so getting connected with them is really important. So w whatever issue you're, you care about, whether it's homeschooling or education, medical, freedom, things like that, find an organization that's watching the legislatures and support them. Sign up, get on their email list. All right. And uh, the next question is about the National Child Abuse Registry. Is mm. this a good idea? Uh, this is a terrible idea. This is a very, very bad idea uh, for a variety of reasons. It might sound like a good idea. Oh, child abuse. We want to protect children. Of course we want to protect children. Uh, you know, here's some interesting statistics. About six million children are investigated um, because someone makes a call. Could be a doctor, could be a teacher, could be a uh, neighbor, something like that. But what the government has shown in their own statistics is that over 75% of those reports are unfounded, which means there are hundreds of thousands, millions of families that are going through this very frightening process when somebody comes on there, knocks on their door and says, hey, I'm here to investigate you. And this isn't like a, a, a police officer. Um, it's a social worker would come and investigate. And so now what the government is proposing, the Congress is proposing to do, is to create a national registry where all that information would go up to a government database. Do we, want, do we trust our federal government to get this right? I don't. Okay, no, I don't. I would rather have 50 databases and, you know, have it at the state level and let the states where they're supposed to protect children, protect them. We don't need some federal bureaucracy getting all this information. Oh, of course, they're, gonna, they're never going to make a mistake. They're never going to accidentally put someone on there who shouldn't be on there, right? Oh, yeah, you know, that's never going to cause problems, right? Uh, I don't yeah. think so. Well, this I mean is the, the, when, you, when you said, uh, do we trust the federal government, you could have just ended right I there guess with, no. Well, and so <laughs> no. this is H.R. 485, and okay. what I want to ask people to do, if you go to hslda.org slash legislation, you can click on the campaign that we have there and tell your congressperson to say no to a national registry. We don't want national registries. Bad idea. Excellent. And uh, that actually leads into the next question, or what are some practical ways that homeschool parents can get involved in protecting freedom? Well, supporting HSLDA is, one, is a good one, hslda.org. Uh, they can, well, you know, I'll tell you what, Jenna, we need more homeschool families and parents to become legislators. My very good mm -hmm. friend, Senator Patricia Rucker, who's the chair of the Education Committee in the West Virginia Senate, is your typical homeschool mom who cared about mm -hmm. her community. She's actually from uh, South America. She's an immigrant, but she came here. She loves this country. And she said, you know what? I'm going to step up and step into the public square. And wow. so we, then there are a lot more homeschooling parents who are doing this, and we oh, need yeah. them to do it because we understand freedom. Mm -hmm. We've had to fight for it. The homeschool movement is, has in its DNA that same kind of freedom-fighting idea that this country was founded on. We've got to fight for our freedom. We've got to keep our freedom, and we need more of that in our capitals. Absolutely, and in my home state of Colorado, uh, my good friend Kevin Lundberg, who you know as well, he's an excellent Great example, man. was a representative and then state senator for a long time, and his family was part of my homeschooling group. And in fact, uh, when I was going through some of the HSLDA uh, curriculum, learning constitutional law, um, the, one of the original co-founders, 
Mike Ferris, who wrote the foreword to my book. He was very kind enough to do that. He was my first professor of constitutional law in high school because I did that distance learning, and I went through that with Kevin Lundberg's family. I mean, so that's just an, another great example um, of how we can all come together collectively, and you're absolutely right. We need to have uh, more parents that are stepping up in, in uh, these things. So the next question as well is, uh, what about tax credits and mm. school choice? School choice is something that's really sweeping a lot of legislatures right now, and there's a couple of different ways to approach it. Some people have proposed these things called ESAs, education, they call them savings accounts or scholarship accounts. What these things are is government money going towards a particular child uh, where the parents can then direct that money to, uh, to, to tuition for a private school or they can spend it on other educational expenses. Um, that's you know a government-funded educational program. Uh, other approaches, in, in HSLD, we're not too keen on government money coming into private education. Why, you might ask? Well, with government shekels come government shekels, mm. right? Or with government <laughs> coin comes government control. I mean, this is just the idea. It's like if you get something from the government, they can control it. Tell, show me a government program that hasn't gotten larger with more regulation, that has crowded out freedom. Okay, so that's one of the concerns we have about these kinds of approaches to en enabling school choice. Um, we support more tax-oriented reform, let people keep their own money, freedom, all of them. Liberty. Yeah, right, yes. freedom, liberty. Let them keep more of their own money and make decisions about that. Now, there are ways to handle the concern that people have about people who don't have a lot of income, and we want to support that too. At HSLDA, we have a, found, uh, a charitable arm that grants money, mm -hmm. millions of dollars a year to families who want to homeschool. Uh, and this is what we can do as a society. We can embrace this yep. kind of private approach to... But it should be private. Exactly. And that's the key is that we should that's be right. able to direct those resources. So I that's wish right. we had more time with uh, you, Mike, um, but you'll have to go on Twitter. He's a prolific Twitter user now. Uh, I've gotten you're putting him on pressure there. on me now. Yeah, so, uh, so Mike can answer uh, more questions, but now we're going to go to Just the Word. Philippians 4, 4 through 9 says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you have learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you.